on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Liberation from yourself. In this podcast, Eckhart encourages participants to start with a moment of stillness. Through quiet and calm, he says, we get in touch with that part of ourselves he called the deep eye. Eckhart says that by reaching beyond the personality and our physical bodies rooted in pure awareness, there is a deeper dimension to who we are. And he believes it is there we transcend the old inner narratives to find liberation from ourselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I usually start with a moment of stillness because it's good to be still as I said in a book somewhere, you are never more fully yourself than when you are still. Which also means present, it's the same. And when you are still or present, you hardly remember or don't remember who you are as a person or personality, historical person, you don't need to. You are yourself. There's a deeper dimension of yourself that is suddenly arising, emerging, that transcends who you are as a person. And that is the most wonderful liberation Liberation is a term that, as you know, has been used probably over thousands of years in a spiritual context. So it's not that you as a person, it's not that the person becomes liberated. It's more liberation from the person, from complete identification with your form identity, which is the physical form and the conditioned mind. How wonderful to be free of yourself. And yet there's a deeper self that the Buddhists prefer to call the not-self, the formless presence. And then there's a shift, and this is all part of the awakening, 
there's a shift in you from the conditioned entity that derives its identity from the mental-emotional conditioning to this transcendent presence. What you transcend is your conceptual sense of identity, your conceptual identity, and that's so, so liberating. But you can still operate as a person. It's not that you become incapable of dealing with the things of this world, although it could happen, if you have no guidance whatsoever. It's happened to a few people. Once you have discovered the dimension of the what I recently have been calling the deep I, I, there's the first person, the pronoun I, the deep I as opposed to the surface I, which is what you usually refer to when you use the word I, you refer to the historical person. I like, I don't like, I'm happy, I'm unhappy, I want, I don't want, and all the things that the I does and says, there's that I, and yet there's a deeper I that is non-conceptual. You access it the moment the there's a cessation in the stream of thinking, like now, and yet you haven't gone to sleep at all except one or two of you are suffering from severe jet lag, that's possible. <laughs> so if somebody close to you is asleep, do not assume that they are unconscious, completely unconscious. They may just be suffering from jet lag. <laughs> On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So usually you are aware of all kinds of things, sense perceptions, emotions, thoughts. They arise in your awareness. And if you are still unconscious, spiritually speaking, your awareness gets completely absorbed by those things. Every thought that arises, it, it completely gobbles up your consciousness like a hungry little entity. So you're always you're aware the thought arises in awareness. You may be aware of sense perceptions. But as you awaken, an added dimension comes in, and that is you're aware that you are aware. You are aware of yourself as the awareness right now. 
as we sit here, as you sit here, you're aware of whatever sense perceptions are arising, the room, visual, auditory, perhaps some other senses, and at the same time, you're aware of yourself, but not the historical person as the presence or as the awareness itself, without which there would be no sense perception. And if you're still thinking a little bit, there would be no thinking without that awareness, that consciousness. So there's a, there's a twofold thing here. You're aware of whatever arises in that field of awareness or consciousness, but you're also aware of that presence or of that awareness directly. Now that sounds, when I say it, it sounds like a duality because I'm formulating a sentence when I say there's a subject and an object and I say, I am aware of awareness. But that's not correct. It's only the duality creeps in when you, the moment you use language because every sentence has a subject and it has an object. So it's not so much that you are aware of awareness because there isn't ultimately, there is no you separate from the awareness. So you cannot be aware of awareness because to be aware of something is awareness. <laughs> so a better way of putting it therefore is to say you're becoming self-aware or awareness through you is becoming self-aware. So that is the, the presence that has no form. Something opens up within you that is very deep and far transcends your form identity. It connects you with something vast. It's not even something. It connects you with a great depth. And therefore, I often use the analogy of the ripple on the surface of the ocean. And every human being is that ripple in this analogy. As long as the ripple is not aware of its true nature, it only knows itself as a little ripple. And it looks to other ripples for fulfillment or wants to protect itself from other ripples or compete with them or compares itself to other ripples. It's a very problematic existence. <laughs> because it only knows the surface of, of reality. It's an entire, experiencing entire reality as a surface phenomenon, and continuously uh, trying to find some kind of ultimate fulfillment, happiness on the surface level through other ripples or other situations that are also ripples. And, uh, it's frustrating to live as a ripple <laughs> because you're just a little, this little thing. And, and some ripples manage to get bigger. They might, they might gobble up a few others <laughs> and then they grow into a wave. 
in this analogy, it means you have your private jet waiting nearby. It's a clear sign that you have grown into a wave. You're no longer just a little ripple. But uh, you're just as short-lived as the ripple. And now you have to compete with other big waves, so it becomes problematic again. And a moment may come when the ripple or the wave uh, suddenly perhaps becomes frustrated with that surface existence and says, is that all there is that I can't take anymore? Because things continuously, obstacles continuously arise and there's always things that are unfulfilling and even the most promising things that you enter into, relationships, situations, places, all kinds of, even the most promising things, there's always, sooner or later, some flaw appears in it. What's wrong with the world? Why is there always this, no, this ultimate fulfillment is always kind of short-lived? Because you're still on the surface only. And then the moment comes, hmm. And perhaps accidentally or because another ripple close to you who has gone beyond its mere ripple existence says something or you can sense something. And then perhaps for a moment, there's a cessation in the stream of thinking without loss of consciousness. And the ripple goes, oh. There's more to me than I thought. It doesn't know what it is, it doesn't have a name for it, but it can sense a depth suddenly. And as it senses the depth, that is suddenly the, the vertical dimension has come in. It's no longer just the horizontal dimension, there's the vertical dimension of consciousness, where there's only the present moment past and future exists in the, on the vertical dimension of, of reality. And there's a transcendent reality, there's the vertical dimension. And the ripple suddenly discovers that it is a manifestation, a temporary manifestation of something vast. And it is not separate from it, it is a manifestation of it. So it's no longer just a little ripple. It, it senses its origin. In Buddhism, in sometimes in Zen, you have strange expression, your true face before you were born, or all kinds of expressions to point to it. it so it, it, it discovers that it is the ocean, or that it probably doesn't have a name for ocean. It discovers its connectedness to something transcendent, that transcends its rip, the ripple, ripple existence, and, th and then gradually, that's the first discovery, and then it occasionally loses it again, but gradually it, it is able to have some attention in that depth, e even when it is occupied with its surface ripple existence. And operates there, it does that, and yet there is a 
depths, there's a rootedness in being. And that transforms the way in which the ripple, we'll let go of the ripple in a moment, as you know, the ripple is you. The, the ripple existence then becomes no longer as problematic as it was before, a little bit more sane. The dysfunction that has created an enormous amount of unnecessary suffering, the reactivity that amplified every challenge that the ripple encountered in life, that amplified it and make it made a huge thing and then through reactivity that that challenge actually grew even worse because you amplified it. Well the ripple, sorry, it's not <laughs> the ripple amplified it. Uh, it's easier to we can bypass the rem the remnants of ego in you by talking about ripples and then the ego doesn't feel offended. <laughs> On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. It's my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. That's the power of uh, parables and, and stories. So the ego, the ego doesn't dis, doesn't realize that it's that it's about me. So it listens to a story, <laughs> and, and whereas before the ego would have created a barrier uh, without knowing. It's a little bit like a sugar-coated pill. So you give to a child. And it, oh, it's, it tastes good. And then you swallow it, and then it begins to work. It's called, I believe it's called uh, the red pill. <laughs> and so you discover that there's two of you here. This is a, not the ultimate truth, but a temporary way of talking about it, uh, of approaching it to have a little bit of conceptual understanding of it, but conceptual understanding is not it. It doesn't get you there, but it is helpful to, con to understand it and to see the concepts that I give you are actually signposts, and you go where they point. You don't walk around the signpost and, or start collecting them. Some highly knowledgeable spiritual seekers have collected signposts for 20 or 30 years. They're extraordinarily knowledgeable about old spiritual traditions, but don't realize that that's not it. The, the conceptual dimension is not it. And yet, it does help to have a little bit of understanding so there's, let's just put it like this, there's two of you. There's you, the person, and there's you, the transcendent being that is 
has nothing to do with your personal history. And I sometimes call that using the fact that the English language does not have a word for that includes man and woman. So you have to say human being. In some languages you have a word that includes man and in German you have Mensch that is a, is a man or woman. But in English you have to say human being. Human still has the man in it, but let, let, let that go. <laughs> And so you are, the human is the person. This is how I interpret the term, and, and uh, it's a, it works beautifully. The human is the, the personality, the uh, conditioned entity, the historical person. That's, of course, everybody has a history. Everybody has a life history and a narrative in their mind that they call my life which is somewhat problematic. <laughs> Except when you look on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> so it must be only you whose life is problematic. <laughs> All the others are enjoying beautiful meals <laughs> that they take photos of and are in exciting places. <laughs> and then you look at it, you think, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and then you start doing the same thing, perhaps. So there's two of you. There's the problematic person. There's no, I don't believe there's a person whose life is not problematic. It can't be. It's, it's in the nature of a person to experience life as challenging. That is not an aberration. It is not an extraordinary thing that has gone wrong. If your life is challenging, if you encounter problems big and small, it doesn't mean something has gone wrong. No. That's how it's supposed to be. What? Yes. The world would be the most absurd place uh, if every human encounters a continuous succession of challenges, and if that meant that something was very, very wrong, that would be absurd. The, uh, so it must be then that's an essential part of being here of being confronted with challenges. Just as every life form, from a blade of grass to a tree, to a flower, to animal, the moment it's born, the li its life is precarious and it's threatened by this and that. Most life forms could get eaten up any moment by some other life form. And so they have developed certain powers to defend themselves against being con consumed prematurely. Some are very fast, some have this deal of disguises, but these powers have come gradually as a response to the challenges. So every life form is continuously challenged, not just the human, 
And so every life is problematic. It does not mean that there is something wrong. Now the, the problems arise in two ways. We could somehow divide, although there's not a clear dividing line, there are certain problems that ar arise only or mainly because you are unconscious and your, your mind is dysfunctional. So a very simple example, you wake up every other night, night at two or three in the morning, sweating profusely, not because it's hot, but because you're in, uh, yeah, thinking very anxious thoughts. You're not, clearly, you're not present, as you can see when I act it out. <laughs> it's called not present. <laughs> and so that is one way in which you can experience life is problematic, but it is entirely created by unconscious mind activity. That's only one example. There are many other, for example, uh, a total misinterpretation of other people's intentions and then react to them as if your total misinterpretation were the correct interpretation. Uh, and all kinds of huge amounts of drama arises out of nothingness. And, uh, it happens continuously, so entirely mind-generated problems, there's a huge amount of them, and they create as much suffering as problems that are actual problems when suddenly there's an earthquake and your house collapses, hopefully you're outside, and that's a big, that's a problem, or there's an accident, uh, there may be a connection with dysfunctional thinking and the accident there may be because you might be totally absorbed in your mind and then you create an accident or there may, maybe there's no connection I'm not saying that necessarily it's always so there are certain things that seem to come from the outside you get old that becomes a problem after a while so the, it's a challenge as you grow older the body no longer is able to do what it used to do that's a it's a physical challenge that could also become a huge amount of mental suffering if you are very much identified with your, either the appearance of your body or the strength of your body. If that was the foundation for your sense of identity, then in addition to losing physical abilities, you have an enormous amount of suffering because your sense of self, which was derived from identification with the physical form, that sense of self is now becoming shaky because the physical form is becoming shaky and that's very, very painful for many, especially those lucky people who had such good karma that they came into this life with good looks. So they never, they looks where they were for 20, 30 years, 40, who knows, they, uh, <laughs> Uh, that was in that gave them the comp in that comparison that gave them a sense of self. Then, of course, humans are confronted with deep challenges of loss, not only approaching death, but also loss of 
somebody close to you, a premature death, loss of a loved one, sometimes loss of a whole family, or lost limbs or or mobility. You might find yourself in a wheelchair. All kinds of huge things we are confronted with. So you have the suffering that is generated through this misuse of the mind, unconscious thinking, and you have suffering that comes through uh, encountering disaster in one form or another in your life. That's not to be denied. And we will explore how that also can become an opening into transcendence. So there's the the person who lives confronted with problems and with challenges, and there is the potential of discovering, and sometimes through encountering extreme forms of disaster, but not not, not, not always, not necessarily, but there's the potential of discovering within yourself a dimension of depth that transcends who you are as a person. And in this moment, when the thinking mind stops for a moment and is replaced with an aware presence, then the transcendent dimension has emerged in you. And the invitation to you is right here and now to see if you can invite that dimension into your life. And it is almost as if you disappeared temporarily, what you before you called I. Because when you're not thinking and just are aware, then the person has temporarily subsided and an aware presence has arisen and that's the discovery of the transcendent you or that as I call it sometimes the deep I and for some people it comes and this there are many many accounts throughout history it comes through encountering extreme forms of suffering. And that is the potential for awakening that is hiding beyond the seemingly most dreadful thing that could happen to you. And it's all expressed symbolically, whether or not you relate to it as a, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you simply understand there's something there that the symbol of the cross points to. It doesn't, this is something, I don't think it's fully understood by most churches or conventional Christians, that what the symbol of the cross points to, and a man who is dying on the cross, To me, that is the archetype of the human and what is possible. 
The cross is a torture instrument. It's a, an expression of extreme suffering. So you have this human being on a torture instrument. Now, then something happens. There is this human being dies, this in a state of surrender, not my will, but thy will be done. The human being dies in a state of surrender and the very torture instrument is a symbol for the divine. The cross is a sacred symbol. <laughs> but the cross is also a torture instrument. The torture instrument, the greatest obstacle to fulfillment, the greatest obstacle to to life, it seems, is also potentially the opening into the transcendent dimension. And I believe this, to me, is the, the deep symbolism of the cross. And uh, traditionally, many humans who encountered an awakening encountered it through extreme suffering. And th that drove them to a point of surrender. That drove them, because they couldn't stand the pain anymore, that drove them to the state of acceptance of what is. And then suddenly the vertical dimension opened up. That's also, you could say, the cross also points to the two dimensions, the horizontal dimension, and the vertical dimension. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.